Thank you, thank you, team, and, and thank you for singing so well uh, on a Sunday like this as we we're celebrating the independence that we have as a nation. Amen? Amen. Well, we have been studying the book of Romans, and believe it or not, we are at the very end of the book of Romans. We have this week and next week. Can you believe that? How many others? I know I enjoyed learning some things. Anyone learn something from the book of Romans? And, uh, and so I hope that you have too. I have really learned a lot from the book of Romans. We've already come full circle. Really, the meat of the book of Romans has already taken place. We, we, we study the doctrine of sin. We've understood our, sin, our sinfulness from God's perspective. And that helps us appreciate the salvation that God has given to us. And, and at that moment of salvation, we begin that process of sanctification. Becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And, and through, that, uh, through that time of sanctification, we have security knowing that we will not lose that salvation. Amen? And that gives us security when, when things are going, going haywire in our, in our politics, for one. Right? Just knowing that we are secure in our relationship with God. We know how the story ends, and it's a positive ending for us. Amen? And, and from security, uh, we go on to the selection, and we, we learn how God draws people to himself, but how we must respond in faith, and then he saved us to a life of service, to a life of love, and so Paul has put this entire package together, and as we come to the end of chapter 15 and, uh, and, and chapter 16, we really begin to see just the personal side of Paul as he concludes his letter, and he's drawing it to a close, and we, and we begin to see Paul as a person, not just um, read what he's writing, theological, it's a, a great theological treatise of of salvation, but we begin to see the real Paul, Paul the missionary, who was, who was out uh, giving the gospel. And so let's read, um, we'll start looking at, uh, at verse 22, um, as we read uh, verses 22, uh, verse 22 of Romans chapter 15. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. Now, for this reason is a connecting phrase, right? That it's connecting it to what we just read last week. So if you remember last week, we had a very heavy uh, table, uh, picnic table on this, on this end. And we had two, two young teens on this end. And they were, their goal was to move it to that end. Um, but they could only be on the same side. And then you remember Tom Young, who totally destroyed my illustration by picking it up himself. Remember that? And carrying it to that end. But the laugh, the, uh, the laugh is on him because uh, he's had several people ask him to help him move just in the last week. But if you'll remember then, uh, the, the illustration was simply to show, uh, and they showed as we took the, took the, the picnic table back, that when, when one person sees that there is all, there's already two people on one side and there's nobody on the other side, the logical thing to do is to go where the need is greater. So Tom went to that side and they easily carried the table, even with me sitting on it, which was kind of cool. I never, I've never done that before, at least not on, on the platform of the church. <laughs> so, um, and so, so the illustration here was that Paul was telling the, the Romans, I would love to come to you, but I have a job to do, right? I would love to come see you, but that would be, as you said last week, building off of someone else's foundation when there are other places who had not yet even heard the gospel, He's saying, so I have to put these in, in priority. I have to put these in priority. In fact, there's, there's a difference sometimes between desire and duty, right? And these words come up, uh, maybe not in, the, in these forms, but these ideas come up to us all the time, every day. 
and we think through well, what I, I would desire to do versus my duty. And so we have uh, that which our heart desires to do, and we have this sense of duty, the things that we kind of have to do, right? And in fact, I would say that most of us probably have a struggle with this uh, every morning when the alarm clock goes off, right? Most of us would love to, yeah, stay in, sleep in. Although, to be honest, that's not me. I am not a sleep-in kind of guy. You, and I'll tell us, oh, yeah, I slept in. I, w- I slept in until like 7. It was great. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but every morning we, we, we have a struggle between desire and duty, and sometimes those are at odds. Isn't that true? Sometimes what we desire to do and what, what our duty is, they're, they're at odds. See, Paul, in this case, had a desire to go to Rome. He wanted to go there. He wanted to be with, with the church in Rome. However, he felt that he had a duty to go where no one had heard yet. And, uh, and so what we see here in the life of Paul, and this is just a, a side thing that we see, and we actually see this concept interwoven into this passage, even though the majority of this passage is teaching us about missions and missionaries. But what we, we, what we see here is that when Paul had this difference between his, his, his sense of duty and his desire, uh, which one trumped? It was always the, the, the duty that trumped. Paul put his duty over his desire. And that's what we find in verse 22. And he says, for this reason, I have, um, I have been much hindered from coming to you. As he said earlier, I want to come to you. I want to be there, but I've got a job to do that's going to take me where I, need to be, where I have to be first. Does that make sense? And so I know we struggle with that too, I'm sure, this desire versus, versus duty. Well, let's continue on verses 23 in the first half of verse 24. But now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, when I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. So here when we look at this, the difference between the, the duty and the desire, uh, Paul desired to go to Rome, but he felt the duty to go where, where no one had heard. And he was saying, once I've finished here, once my job is done where I am, then I am going to go to you. Uh, basically, bottom line, he's saying once he did his duty, he was free to follow his desire. And so, oftentimes, we, you know, we're, we're, we, we, we think of desires as evil, and duty as good. Well, it's not quite like that. Duty always trumps desires, right? But the desires aren't necessarily bad. It's just that we have to keep them in their place, right? There's nothing wrong with a caboose, but you don't want to put it at the front of a train, right? There's a place for it. And so, uh, so there, there is a place for that, and his desire was good. But what he was saying very clearly is, when I finish my duty, then I'm going to follow through on my desire to come see you. I know this wasn't the main point of the passage, but when we look at the life of Paul, this is, he's an example for us, right? Paul is, is, was the great missionary, and, and he even said to others, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Wow, I mean, what a strong statement, and... And he's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. No, of course, that does let him off the hook when, he's, when he does disobey or doesn't do things right. He said, well, I wasn't imitating Christ in that moment. Right? So we imitate Christ first. But he was a living example for us. You want to see what living out Christianity is like? Well, follow Paul. And what did Paul do? He, he, was, he was pushed forward by his sense of duty, what God has called him to do. And he always put that above his desires. Imagine what we would do. As a church in America, if every Christian said, I'm going to put my sense of duty and do what God's called me to do above and beyond, above and beyond 
what my desires are. Isn't that true? I mean, we, we live in a way where we're, it's all about uh, our desires. And, and, and we live life so that we can have a nicer this or a nicer that. Instead of realizing why we're here. Right? Instead of realizing why we're here. But Paul understood that and, and he always made sure that he, he put his, his desires below his, his duties. By the way, this is the choice of every missionary. Isn't it? Isn't that what missionaries do every time they choose to minister? And and I'm not just talking about pastors. I'm talking about all of us as ministers, right? We're all involved in ministry. That's really what we're called to do. Let's continue on in verse uh, verse 24, the second half of the verse. We read this. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while. What I'd like you to do, if you're taking notes, and keep a segment there for this whole idea of duty versus, versus desire, but maybe put a line through it, and in the, the bottom half of your notes, uh, write this, three needs of every missionary. Three needs of every missionary. You know, we have missionaries all across the back wall. You can, you can take a look if you want it. Right there, all the way from North America, we have mission agencies, we have Central America, South American missionaries, we have Far East we have Southeast Asia, we have Europe, and we have Africa. Right? And we've got missionaries all across us. We have countries where our influence is, is represented right across, right across the wall here, starting with, with Brazil and working our way over to the United States. We, we see right over here with the Christian flag and, and then working, working our way all the way around. We've got uh, several different countries listed here. Why? Because our, as a church, we value missions, right? We value missions because the very same gospel that, that comes in and affects our lives here is the same gospel that is affecting the lives of people all over the world. Amen? And so, uh, so it's important for us to talk about the needs of missionaries and we see them as Paul in these closing, these closing verses of his book of Romans he's giving a plea for some of the things that he needed as a missionary. And I, I think we would be remiss to not look at that and understand that these are the things that every missionary struggles with sometimes, right? Let's begin. Let's look at the first thing that he said in uh, the second half of, of verse 24. He says, for I hope to see you on my journey and what? And to be helped on my way there by you. Now, let, let me be clear. This is missionary terms for finances, right? He's saying, I, I'm going to come to you, and I want you to, to help me. Help me where? On my way to where? To Spain. So Paul is going, going from one place to another, and he's saying, on the way, I'm going to Rome. Uh, but I want you to help me on my way to do my, to, to do my journey. One of the things, when we look at the three needs of every missionary who's going out there, their job is to go out there and reap the harvest. Number one, one is finances. Right? Finances And Paul's going to bring this topic up again in a few moments. But, but very clear, from the beginning, he just lets them know, one of the things I expect of you when I come by is that you financially help me in my journey. Right? That's why at this church, it's a big, it's a big deal that we support missionaries. That's why. Because, because they need our, our financial help. We're investing something material that's going to have an investment in something eternal. It would be very easy to do, and a lot of churches do this, unfortunately. It would be very easy to say, well, let's just take every penny we have and spend it on ourselves. Right? And that way we can have a little bit better this or a little bit better that or a better sign, fix our parking lot a little faster, whatever it might be. 
we could easily do those things, right? But is that why we are here? And so actually for us, this is a way for us to take our duty and put it over our desires. Does that make sense? So as we support missionaries, uh, yeah, it's a sacrifice. I guarantee it's a sacrifice. But yes, it's our duty to help our missionaries take the gospel to other places. So Paul wanted to go to Rome to collect money so that he could take the gospel to new places. Now, was Paul wanting money so that he could be rich? All right, very, very different than what you see on TV. On TV, when you talk about finances, when, when, the, when it's usually about, you give, you give money to me and God will bless you. The Bible never says that. The Bible never says that. The Bible never says, if your pastor's really rich, then you're going to be blessed. No, he doesn't say that. Right? And I'm thankful that I live uh, in a, and serve in a church where you guys take care of my needs. You, and, and you guys take care of me. I appreciate that. But you know what? I don't need to be rich. My dad was asked to help a church that was going through some struggles. And, and, uh, and so he said, yeah, sure. And so they said, well, we'll pay you for your time. And, and, uh, and so he said, oh, okay, whatever. You know, that's not where my dad's heart was at. And when he got his first paycheck, he went in and said, I know what your number one problem is. You've been paying your pastors too much. <laughs> right? And you'd be surprised to find out uh, what they were paying him. And, and, and uh, when, he, when, the, when uh, they told my dad the salary that they paid him, his jaw just dropped. It's like, really? You pay them that every year? And they said, no, every quarter. Right? I mean, believe it or not. And, and, and my dad said, a pastor would not take that kind of money. A, a good pastor would not take that kind of money. You need to bring it to reality here. And, and so and he worked through it. And to, and to, to make a long story short, God bless the church. The church is doing well. They were ready to, to quit. They had dropped from 2,000 people to 400 people. And then they were ready to split again. And uh, God did a work there. And the church is on its way. It's back up to about 700 right now and moving forward. So uh, God can do that. When you change the spiritual environment, God can do some pretty crazy, crazy amazing things, right? But I want, to say, I want to be clear. It is our duty to give financially to missions, right? Uh, and that we do that in, in such a way. And, and, but I'm not asking for us to give just so that we can do things here. That, that's, that's, that's part of our duty too, right? To, make, to, to run things here. But I'll tell you, we are so rich in this country, and we don't realize how rich we are. In fact, every time I've ever seen a group go on a, on a third world country missions trip, and you talk about what God's done in your lives, what's one observation that you always hear? I will never again take for granted all that we have here. Right? And, and, uh, and we look at it, we look at our, uh, we, we think, well, we're not, we're not rich. Why? Because we might look at churches around us that have a little, uh, a little bit more than we do. And say, so we're not rich, but you know what? We are rich. We are rich. Uh, you know, when I think of the church that we planted in Costa Rica, it's, it's called Roca Viva. Uh, um, and I look at what their budget is, right, versus our budget. Now, I know they only have 80 people, and so we're, we're probably four times that, right? But... That would mean that we should have a budget about four times what theirs is, right? So ours, I think ours runs on 11,000 something per, per week, right? Um, if they had 11,000 in a month, oof, they, would be, they would be on cloud nine, right? Um, if, if they had 3,000 in, in a month, they would be happy, right? But you know what? God still is blessing the church. They've bought their own property. Now they're going to be building on that property soon. And a lot of it is from their, their sacrificial giving, but a lot of it has come from people. I, I can think of even one person in this room 
that, uh, that felt the burden for that church and gave $2,000 to help that happen. Why? Because God is bigger than one church. Amen? And so, so that we see this idea of finances, and, uh, and I'm probably preaching too much, but that's because I have a heart for missions. I have a heart for missionaries, right? And I've been there, and, and, uh, and this is one of the, one of the things that, uh, that, that missionaries need. And so as Americans, sometimes we have to remember that, that this is part of our duty, is to help missionaries. Not, not necessarily to help every mission. We can't support every missionary or every person who claims to be a missionary, but, but we can have a missions committee who filters through, make sure we have good missionaries that are selected, and we support those knowing that those, those dollars are going to the ministry of the gospel. Amen? And so, uh, and so it, it, it bothers me when, uh, you know, when... In fact, I, I had a, someone once call. Uh, he was trying to raise support. He's a missionary. He's a friend of mine, and he was raising support. And he called, and, and, and he said, I'm a missionary with, and they stopped him in the middle of a sentence. Oh, you're a moochinary? Right? Instead of a missionary, a moochinary? What, what was the secretary saying? The secretary said, oh, she saw this. Missionaries are people who mooch off the church. Oh, man, she's never read Romans 15. Right? Or never understood Romans 15. And... Uh, and so that ought not be. We love our missionaries here, amen? amen. Well, if we look, go back to the same verse, we find a second thing that we see that missionaries need. Look what he said. I, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped, by, uh, helped uh, on my way there by you, if at first I may enjoy your company for a while. I think one of the second things that missionaries need is, is fellowship. They need fellowship. They need to enjoy company with people. Let's think about that for a moment. Of all that missionaries give up, things that they give up that we tend to take for granted. In fact, this is why you talk about culture shock when missionaries go and they have culture shock when they live in another country. And you you talk to any of those missionaries, the real culture shock happens when? When they come back. They come back. It's so true. Uh, the culture shock. Let's think about all the things that missionaries give up that we tend to take for granted. How about, how about just having a familiar culture around you? It was very different. I know when we, when we went to Central America, very different than, than, than North America. Very different. Um, and, and things are done in a very different way. And you know what? Days like 4th of July start to mean something to you when you live in a foreign culture. Uh, it, it, it's a big deal. We're here, it's another day off sometimes. You know, I, I hope that's not where we're at. I hope that we take some time to appreciate the independence that we have. We as a church, we do that together, right? But I hope that it's more than that. Uh, but it can become something as simple as just, oh, an extra day off. When in reality, boy, it, it begins to mean something. Why? Because we miss our culture. We just miss being around places. Uh, we, we miss parking, parking spaces where you can fit a whole car. Right? That was one of the things we missed in Costa Rica, and not having to make 10 turns just to park. Right? That, it's just the way it was in, in Costa Rica in trying to fit that. And then when we had a minivan so we could take people to and from places, wow, even more. And you begin to miss those things. You, you begin to miss Jeff peanut butter. Right? That was, that was a struggle for me, right? I missed Jeff peanut butter. Yes, they have peanut butter. I mean, it was a, a butter that came from peanuts, but it was not the same thing, right? And, and we missed those things. And uh, how about your, just your favorite foods? 
the things that you've, you've grown up having here, and then you go to another culture, and it's completely different. And, uh, and so whenever I find out someone's going to Romania, I try to send things there because my brother's there. And I already know the things that I, need, that I, that I should send him. Why? Because they're all food. <laughs> and, and they're all things that, he, that he's told me that he misses. And so um, sometimes, yes, I am a brother, so I'm a little bit of a stinker. So whenever I have Smucker's blueberry, you know, I'll put that on my pancakes, I'll snap a picture, and I'll send it to him. Right? <laughs> so I just say, this is what I get to enjoy here in Michigan. And, you know, but he knows me, and he knows my heart, and we love each other. And, and, uh, but I send him blueberry syrup. I do. I send him things. Why? Because I know that he misses it. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, but more than any of these things, uh, it's the network of friends that they miss the most. You know, I could put up with, I could eat Costa Rican food for the rest of my life. It's not great. It's not bad. There's been places where it's bad. I don't, I don't think I could say the same thing about Ecuador. That's just, just, just be honest. But in Costa Rica, I could live off that forever and be okay. But what I really missed was the fellowship with people that I have known and loved for a long period of time. People I grew up with. The people I went to church with every day. And as a missionary, you sacrifice that. And you go to a place. And even though you build friendships there for, for a long time, a big part of the ministry, as you build new relationships, you feel like you're constantly pulling people up, trying to bring them up to where they need to be. But that relationship where you can kind of just let your guard down and be yourself with people who you feel that you're on the same spiritual level, it takes a long time to get to that point. And they can go for, for multiple years before you, you bring people to that point. And you're missing that fellowship. And you feel like you're, you're, you're giving and you're giving and you're giving and you're not receiving any. And, and Paul was saying, before, he even said, before I, I get money from you guys to take, to go on, I just want to spend some time and enjoy your company. And so I, I want us to think through that need that missionaries have, and they need fellowship from us. They need to enjoy our company. Uh, right now, one of the things that we've done uh, is we've divvied up all of our missionaries so that all of our missionaries are represented in at least one of the, uh, the connection groups that we have. This was uh, Nelson's idea, uh, Nelson Lemon, where, where, right there. Nelson's idea, and I thank him for heading that up and making sure that we have that. So that way, as connection groups... We can connect to them. You know, we already connect to them financially. We do that every month, right? But we connect to them in a way of fellowship, and it means something more, right? It means something more. And we had certain churches that we just felt like there was fellowship with certain uh, churches that supported us as missionaries and made all the difference in the world. And, uh, and, and, it, and it went both ways. I remember one church was even saying, hey, we're talking about starting a Spanish work. And they flew me up from Costa Rica you know, and gave, you know, gave me all sorts of cool things while I was here, you know, just gave me a great time, some great food, and, and, and so we could sit down and talk through how do you start a Spanish work here in the Grand Rapids area, and so, um, so there was a fellowship that was, that was there, and I loved that, and I missed that in Costa Rica uh, for a long time, and so, so I, would, I would say for us as, as believers, why not why not grab one of those cards out of there and develop a relationship with one of our missionaries? It's not that hard to do, is it? It's really not that hard to do. 
Well, let's continue to read. Uh, verse, uh, verse 25, we read this. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. So he, he's talking about his trip. It's an upcoming trip. He's on his way to Spain to take the gospel to Spain. He's going to swing through, hit, hit Rome, and talk to, the, to, to those who are in Rome. Uh, but he's saying, but first, I, I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. So once again, we see his, his duty is trumping his desire. And we see this theme all throughout all throughout the closing of the book of Romans. And in verse 26 we read, For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a, con- a certain contribution to the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. So in Paul's trips, he's already gone through Macedonia, and he's gone off through Achaia, uh, and some of them have sent offerings to help the poor in Jerusalem, those who are struggling in Jerusalem. You know, you, when you get to travel between multiple countries like Paul was doing, you get to see all of the extremes, right? You get to see the, the poor who are, who are really poor, and you get to see those who are rich who think they're poor and they're not really poor, and you get to see the extremes, and it kind of gives you a little bit, it broadens your worldview a little bit. Does that make sense? Anyone here travel to, to say, at least five other countries? Right? So, yeah, several of you. How about, how about 10? Anyone hit 10? All right, so I, yeah, some of you at 10. Anyone hit 15 countries? A lot of people are thinking through here. Yeah, all right, so Dan, yeah, so Dan, 15. All right, Any, anyone higher than 15? All right. So I heard someone say something, so. Yeah, and uh, who was it? I see everyone pointing. Okay, okay. Chris? How many countries do you know? 60? Oh, man, you beat me. Yeah, you beat me for sure. I, in fact, uh, that's quite a few. It, but when, in the, in the, if you don't mind me asking, as you've gone to these 60 different countries, have you seen a pretty wide gamut of how people live their, their lives? <laughs> I'll bet you have. I'll bet you have. You have to ask Chris afterwards. By the way, welcome back. Hope you had a great honeymoon. So, and, uh, and, uh, and so, so, yeah, this... Paul has seen it all, and so because he has this, this, this vision that en- encompasses so much, we as a church can, can learn from that, and, and so, th- so Paul was able to say, hey, I know how the people in Jerusalem are living, and now I've also seen how the people in Macedonia and Achaia are living, and he's able to say, you know what, the people in Jerusalem could use your help. Well, how do we understand that? How do we know how to help our brothers and sisters in Christ? It's through our missionaries, Right? And we find that, that that's one of the best ways for us to find out how to help, uh, how to help people who are in need is through our missionaries. When, when there's a, uh, a tidal wave that comes through, we have missionaries. We can, we, can, we can support our missionaries and know that that money is going to be used for what it's supposed to be used. You give it through the government, you get 9% or so is used, and the other 91% is the government's take for handling that, that 9%. It's not very, very positive. It's still good. But you give through a missionary and you know 100% of that money is going to be used to, to do some good. Amen? Amen. I mean, and we, love, we love the fact that we can do that. And, and we have earthquakes. Uh, we, we, support, uh, we support missionaries uh, down in Ecuador where they've had some, some pretty nasty earthquakes recently. And, and so we could give to them, right? Why? Because we know them. We, they're, they're friends. I've been in his house. I, I, these are good missionaries and, and they can put the money where it needs to go. That's one of the values of missionaries that sometimes we overlook is that they get the big picture. 
and they can help us know who has a need. How can we support each other? And that's what Christianity is all about. Amen? Because you never know. It could be us down the road. Right? It could be us down the road that has a need. And here's a principle that, that he taps into, that Paul taps into, that, that he uses to, to support this idea of supporting, uh, supporting the need of others. Look at verse 27. It says, It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of, the, of their spiritual things, their duty, here we find the duty word again, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Now think about that principle for a moment. When it comes to finances, and we're talking about finances and specific to missions, what he's saying is very clear. He says the, that spiritual blessings should be reciprocated with material ones. Right? Now let's think about this in context for a moment. How had the church in Jerusalem influenced the world? Let's think about that for a moment. Where did the church start? I mean, the church, the universal church, the church that we're a part of. Where did it start? In Jerusalem. Right? And remember when, when Jesus said to the disciples, we're going to start here in Judea, or Jerusalem, and then move on to Judea and Samaria, and then from there move on to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, Jesus put the strategy down, and, and we've been working that same strategy from that day since. Right? And so where did the church begin? In Jerusalem. In a, a little place, like, uh, a, a little event place that they rented. Uh, it's called the Upper Room. And it's a place right above the Tomb of David that people could, when they would come to see the Tomb of David, they could rent that little that room up there. That's where the church started. In a room that they couldn't even, they didn't even have their own building. Right? They rented a place right over the Tomb of David. And they met up there and the church began there in Acts chapter 2. You've got to read about it. Uh, when, 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 uh, when, in Acts chapter 2 how the church began. But that spiritual blessing didn't stay in Jerusalem. It went on to Judea and Samaria. Then it went on from there into the uttermost parts of the world through the sending of missionaries. And so what is Paul saying here in, in this verse? He's saying very clearly that since the, the church of Jerusalem had had a spiritual influence in the world, then it was the duty of, of places in the world to, to, to give back to them when there's a need. So they reciprocated the spiritual blessing with material ones. And so this is a principle that applies in a lot of different ways, but in here he's saying it applies to missions, right? It applies to us in a lot of ways too. Uh, I, was, I was excited to hear someone, uh, we was meeting with a, a couple and giving some counsel this week and, and uh, the wife she said, you know, I've really felt like there's been a spiritual, I've learned a lot through this process. Can I contribute? Can I give something to somebody? And it was a blessing to be able to tell her that, that really know because I paid through you guys. And that by knowing that I'm going to give counsel to, to people, this was a gift from you to her so that she could feel love, the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? And so she began to feel the love of Christ because you guys pay me to not just minister to you but to minister to other people as well. Isn't that awesome? And, and to say, thank you, but no, you can't. You know, but if you want to become part of the church, you can contribute to other people so we can do this for other people. Right? And, and instead of paying it back, you're paying it forward. Right? Um, and, but it's that concept that, 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 that she even understood as a, as a young Christian as, as 
that spiritual blessings can be reciprocated with material ones. You know, and then when you think of people who have had an influence in your lives or had an influence in the lives of other people, and we have a lot of them right across these three back panels back there who are out serving Jesus Christ day in and day out. Isn't it part of our duty then to go to help them, to give them, not just exactly what they need, but to give them something that will bless them too? Wouldn't that be exciting? You know, and it's not that hard. It's not that hard to do. Uh, in fact, if you call any one of them, I'm sure they'd say, hey, what are some needs? What, is, what, what are you going through? You could probably find something that you could do. I, I read an email from one of them this morning. And uh, he is in Brazil. And he received uh, a request to go to China because there's a, a large, believe it or not, a large Portuguese-speaking group in China. And they are wanting to learn how to evangelize. And this missionary that we support has been asked to go there. And, uh, and, but to fly to China is not exactly cheap from Brazil to China, right? And he's like, what do you think? Do you think it's wise to do that? Um, I, don't, I don't have the funds to do it right now. You know, but do you think that's a good investment of trying to ask people to give something like that? You know, I think that's an awesome opportunity, don't you? To go, he would take a, a program, it's called Good Soil, and it, it's, a, it's an evangelistic program where they just walk you through how to, how to show someone from God's word how they can know that Jesus Christ is who, exactly who he said he was. It's, it, and, and it showed through a chronological study of the, the entire Old Testament that points to Jesus Christ. This would be great. And he would be teaching Portuguese leaders in churches how to evangelize. How many of us would love to see that happen? Yeah, yeah, I would love to see that happen. Wouldn't it be great if we could just say, if we just say, you know what? Through some of our loose change, we put it together. Let's let's put this together. Let's 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 send him there for a few weeks. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so why? That would be a blessing to him as well. By the way, he was raised in this church. He was raised in this church. So he's a missionary because of what you've done already to invest in his life. And, um, and so, yeah, it's this, uh, it's this fellowship. It's taking, it's going beyond. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. Let's continue to read in verse 28. We read this. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. Once again, we see this same theme being woven into this passage. He's saying, once I've done my duty, right? Once I've completed that, you know, yes, I have to do my duty first. Once again, uh, like, like always, the duty trumps desire. But once that's over, then I'm going to come back to you. Well, we see that concept again right here. Then we look at verse 29. We read, but I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. This point is very simple. If I do my duty first, and then follow my desire to come see you, then it will be done in the fullness. This is the way to do the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so this, this is what Paul is saying. He, we, I've got to complete my duty first, and then I'm coming to you. And that's the full way of doing it. You'll have the, mo- the optimal result. I think that's what we want in this world, isn't it? The optimal result of the gospel. Well, don't we want the gospel to have its optimal result? And how do we do that? We start, our, we start by completing our duty. Why we're here, right? 
And then Paul moves on to the third need of every missionary in verse 30. He says, Now I beg you, brothers, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. The third main need of, of, of the missionaries is prayer. It's prayer. They, they need us to be praying for them. Now, prayers for what? Well, he goes on in the next verse, and he walks through, and he gives us three things that we should be praying for. But before we even hit those, it's, it's just important to know that we are praying. You know, as, as a missionary, we would go back to our supporting churches, and you could tell which churches were, were praying for us. And we had some churches, it was just a blessing to walk in and see someone I don't even know, or I may have seen probably six years before, and I, and, and I don't recognize the face, and they come up to me and they say, hey, how's that situation going with Leo? You know, did this did it ever work out? Hey, did, did Gabriella ever get saved? Wow. I just felt like I was home in churches with people I'd never met before. Why? Because I knew they were praying for the things that we put on our prayer letters. Right? And, and so, so one of the things that missionaries need is prayer. I had other churches where they say, hey, how's Puerto Rico? I don't know. Wrong part of the planet. <laughs> Puerto Rico is not Costa Rica. Right? And we'd have people ask, you know, they had no idea what we were doing and, you know, or what language we were speaking or what, they didn't know, right? And so it really, it really made a difference when we found people that were praying for us. And, and it also meant, it meant something because when we would go through some of those difficult times, we knew that people were praying for us. And you know what? We could feel that people were praying for us. We have, on the mission field, there are some difficult times, right? There are difficult times. I remember one time where, where, where there was a guy, he was a leader of a gang, and, and he was putting the word on the street that he was going to try and kill me, right? Those are difficult times, especially when I had invested so much time and energy into this young man's life at one point, and to see him turn like that, that was tough. But, you know, people were praying. People were praying. And, and, and you could feel the sense. You could feel that people were praying. And you say, I'm just going to go forward doing what I know is right. Because I've got a whole army of prayer warriors behind me. We can do this. Prayer. Well, what should we be praying for? He goes on to say in, uh, in verse 31, the first half of verse 31, we read this. It says, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Let me start by that. They have, the, uh, the, one of the, our prayers needs to be prayers for deliverance from unbelievers. Let me just be very frank here. We live in a world culture that is not friendly towards Christianity. And it is getting worse and worse and worse. Right? My brother was just telling me the other day uh, that here he's, he's, he, spent a, uh, he got a missions team together. They, they, they got the funds together. And they went... Uh, to a place where refugees were coming out of their country because of, of oppression, and they started building temporary shelters for them. And so while they're building temporary shelters for them, they could give them the gospel. And some were accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They had never heard of Jesus Christ in many of these cases. And they're building temporary shelters, and then he sees on TV two or three days later, they're blown up. They're blown up. Why? Because the Muslims are, are not happy with what was going on. You know, the, the unbelievers of this world are vicious. They're vicious. And we need to be praying for our missionaries. 
right? And, and my brother's not even in Iraq. He's not in Afghanistan, right? He, he's in Romania. That's, that's where, well, at least that's where he's based. He goes to a lot of countries. Um, and he's doing these things. And, and to see your work torn apart on TV, right, by people who hate the gospel, we need to pray for our missionaries for deliverance from unbelievers. Uh, they need that. And you know what? We need to pray for that for our missionaries right here in the United States. It's a war out there, and, and we have a very hostile enemy. Uh, look, look what it says in the second half uh, of the verse. That, that, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Um, sometimes the biggest obstacles are not the unbelievers. You know that? Sometimes you expect the unbelievers to do what unbelievers do. Sometimes the biggest obstacles can be those who are supposed to be your teammates. So those are supposed to be on the same side. Those who are not receiving well the truth of God's word. And so I would, just, I would say, when you pray, pray that the believers would also accept their word. Pray that, 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 uh, uh, that the saints would receive well what the missionaries are supposed to do. Amen? Yeah. And, uh, and pray that they would grow. Uh, we don't want to just see people get saved. We want to see people get saved and then grow so that they can go out and tell others. Amen? And, and uh, one of the blessings with Roca Viva is I look at, at the, the, the pastors and those who are being trained to be pastors for their church plant, which is kind of cool. That they're, 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 80, they're about 80 people big, and they're already working towards their, their church plant and planning ahead. Isn't that cool? Um, and so they've got six people that, they're, that are in the preaching rotation so that they'll have enough preachers that they can go on and, and, uh, and, and start a second church soon. I look at that and I, and I realize Leo was, was a young man that I had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord. And as a new believer, it's him now he's a pastor. Uh, Chris, Christian is another one uh, who's being trained to be a pastor. He's not a pastor right now, but he's a deacon in the church. And, and he's part of the preaching rotation, wants to be a pastor of a church. And, and my wife and I had the opportunity to lead them to the Lord in, in, in a little small house uh, that, that they lived in. And they had nothing, but yet now God's using them to go and start another church. Isn't that cool? And, and, and so pray that the saints would receive it so that, that those who, who, are, who are saved will grow and they'll continue to grow in their, in their faith as well. So we'll be praying for those. Those are two things to be praying for. The third one we'll find in verse 32. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. I think one of the third things that we could be praying for is simply for spiritual refreshment. Our missionaries need it. They need spiritual. They need social refreshment and strategic, psychological refreshment. They just need to be refreshed because they are on the front lines of battle every day. Right? And, uh, and so we need to be praying for them and, and, and praying for these things. It's really not that hard. In fact, I'm going to show you how easy it is. Can I do that? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm just going to simply walk, walk up here to the back, and uh, I'll, take, I'll take South America, take a country. Right here is Brazil, right? I'll take Tim and Andrea Blazer, right? Very simple. And take their card from, from, from the back there. And I'm going to give them an email or a phone call or something this week, all right? And just ask them what I can be praying for. Say, hey, what can I pray for you guys for? I didn't choose them ahead of time. I just, I just, my eyesight's not that good. I just picked one and I went for it, right? 
And I happen to know them, I, I, even though uh, they haven't been here since I've been here. But I've met them on the field, actually, uh, in Brazil. And uh, been in their house as well. And I cannot believe how big their kids are. <laughs> and I, this is probably an old picture, too. But we babysat their kids in Brazil, actually, uh, a long time ago. And they were babies. It was literally babysitting. And here they are. Wow, it makes me feel old looking at this picture. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm, simply, I'm going to email them this week. And, and wish them a happy 4th of July. See if there's anything I can do to bless them. Right? One way or another. Just, and just start praying for them. Is there anyone else here that would be willing to do that very same thing? Yeah, you can raise your hand if you like. And just say, you know, Pastor Dave, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember our missionaries who are out there. I'm going to pray for them. One of the things we did is... Um, a long time ago, and I think we should we should look at doing it again. As we we started take, collecting these, the missionaries that we just felt burdened for, that we felt they were doing good work, and we put punch a little hole in there, put a little ring on there, and then as a family we would pray for them. And when when we pray for one, we would flip it over, and the next time we would pray, we pray for another one, and we would just leave it out where it's out and about. As you're walking by, you see it, you pray for someone, and you flip the card. Wouldn't that be cool? And as you start praying for them, you start getting to know them, send them an email. It's, it's free, right? It's free to do that. And, uh, and be praying for our missionaries. Pray for deliverance from unbelievers. Pray that the saints would receive it. And pray for spiritual refreshment. And then take a step beyond that and do something. Talk to them. Ask them what, they, what you can pray for, for them. This is a very different kind of message because we're getting to the, the end of the, the book of Romans and we're looking at a very personal side of Paul. But there's still application for us. And I want us to look at this. Uh, what about you? Number one, first, are you a missionary where you are now? Because it's very easy for us to think about uh, Paul as a missionary. But really, didn't Jesus Christ give the Great Commission to all of us as believers? Don't we have a duty that should trump our desires? I hope we do. And that brings to the second question. Do you... Do you put your God-given duties over your internal desires? Or are we here just for ourselves? Or are we here because God wants us to have an influence in the lives of other people? I know that there's about 60 of us that are not here right now. But they're out there doing what God has called them to do. Amen? They're putting their duties over their desires. And then, and then lastly, do you support traveling missionaries... With your finances, fellowship, and prayer. Uh, with, with your finances, I want to tell you, if you want to do it, all you have to do is, is when you give to the offering plate, just write missions. Just write missions on there. It goes into a separate account. And if you want to give above and beyond whatever God's called you to give to the church, you just give, you write missions on there, and that portion will go to our missions fund. And then we have a missions committee that oversees the support. And depending on however much support comes in, we can choose whether or not we can take on more or uh, missionaries or not. And if enough of people gave to missions, we could take on more missionaries and, and, and continue that work. And one day we'll stand before God and say, maybe we could have fixed a few things. Maybe we could have replaced carpet in some rooms a little faster, but instead we chose to invest it in eternal lives. And God's going to say, well done. Well done, right? And so we look at that and, and we see what God could do. As far as fellowship... Take a card on the way out. Pick one. If we run out of cards, we'll print more. We'll find a way to get. get we'll give you a list of all the missionaries. Pick one and and adopt them. Uh, 
and prayer. Just be praying for our missionaries, where they are, doing what they're doing, which should be the same thing that we're doing right here in Kentwood, Michigan. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Or even in the parts where Paul is just saying things that he, he didn't make part of his big theological argument, but yet he showed us by example how we should live our lives. Lord, I pray that we would value our missionaries. I pray that we would support them financially. I pray that we would, we would encourage them. I pray that we would pray for them. And most importantly, Lord, I pray that we would be missionaries right here. Lord, you've given us a lot of duties. And if we're honest, many times we put our desires over our duties. And I pray that you would do a work in our hearts. That we would do our duties. And Lord, there's a joy that comes out of that duty. Even as Paul said, it's optimal joy when he puts his duty first. And I pray that that would be a description of us too. And I pray this. And I pray this knowing that you, you will bless this church as you bless the ministry of Paul. And I pray this in Christ's name.